Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The facts do not justify the fears that Republicans and their political allies gin up over the fairness of trans girls participating in girls' athletic teams, nor the further stigma it attaches to transgender children. Do not treat these people nicely in Congress. Tell Gerald Nadler, Nadler he can shut his mouth. He can go to hell. The facts do not justify the fears. Congressman Nadler believes that young women in sports should just lay down and take it. Take a back seat to boys. Women take a back seat to men. That is what misogynist Gerald Nadler thinks. The congressman from New York. And that's the way he should be treated. That's the way he deserves to be treated. Now, I know this isn't the biggest story in America. Of course, the plea deal with Hunter Biden going to pot is clearly the biggest story in America. But I now have President Biden, who is going to be announcing actions for extreme heat. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. This is happening live. President Biden taking to the podium to talk about the heat wave that some of the country is dealing with. And of course, it's the fault of climate change. Listen to this. This is happening as we speak. The threat of climate change. And it is a threat. We're going to outline steps we're taking to help communities who uh, who right this minute, as both the mayors can tell you, are facing a real crisis in their cities. But talk about steps we're taking to help people get through this tough time. And we're also going to talk about steps we're taking to help communities prepare, plan, and recover and make our nation more resilient in future heat waves. And there will be more. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of climate change anymore. This is this is this is fear mongering porn at this stage of the game. It's hot. Not hotter than we've seen it in the country before, as we discussed with the Heartland Institute just the other day. It's hot. I'm not going to lie. It is hot in many, many parts of the country. We see this. We're aware of this. And we're like, holy cow, that's hot. That's like, that's like crazy hot. Never got this hot in Brooklyn. It's like Africa hot. Tarzan couldn't take this kind of hot. But as we also know, we've got the El Nino going on, which has its own warming capacities and creates warmer temperatures. I'm looking coast to coast. You've got 94 in Los Angeles. You've got 98 in Washington, D.C. I pay attention to the Midwest, and we're actually going to take a look at what's going on with Midwest temperatures. This isn't the first time in our history we've had heat But Joe Biden and the progressives want to engage the fear porn. Cheat has been, no, I have to admit, I didn't know it either. I thought it, I I knew it was tough, but the number one weather-related killer is heat. The number one weather-related killer is heat. 600 people die annually from its effects, more than from floods, hurricanes, and tornadoes in America combined. I assume uh, that's because we don't have enough energy security and energy independence to have air conditioning for everybody, and that's why people die. I wonder, President Biden, if you're going to take a look at your own policies. 
I wonder how the heat's going to work when you take away all the gas furnaces. I wonder how it's going to work. This is the political left involved in fear porn. Now, I don't know if this was on the schedule for today, yesterday, when the Hunter Biden plea deal blew up, fell apart, ripped asunder. I don't know. But I do know why they're making a big deal of it now. First, ideologically, this is who they are. And second, without question, without question, this is a great way to take your minds off of the other things that are going on. Now, I will say that you are more focused on how heat could be, how the heat could be hurting you, hurting your business, hurting your family, hurting the family pet, than you are something Hunter Biden did. The White House wants to scare the living crap out of you and out of your kids for their political purpose. These are terrible people. And while even I pay attention to what's going on in my neighborhood, what's going on in the Midwest, I has not lost on me what in the world is going on with Hunter Biden. We now know that Judge Noriega is not going to accept the plea agreement. And as we were talking about just a moment ago, it's got to do. Judge Noriega does not uh, believe uh, that the, the, she has questions over the constitutionality of that diversion clause uh, of the immunity that Hunter Biden would receive in this deal uh, to not prosecute on the gun charge. Uh, she is not okay with that so the headline here is she has not accepted the plea deal that would likely indicate we could be headed for uh, a trial we have not heard from the prosecution or the defense maybe they'll be coming out and talking to us but a major headline here what we thought that was starting uh, some three hours ago was going to be a routine plea deal hunter biden in the early part of of today's court uh hearing said he was prepared to plead guilty to the two misdemeanor tax evasion charges not going to happen no it's not although there could be a plea deal that they come up with in the next 30 seconds the judge mean, and we were doing this live as it happened yesterday and trying to get the information out as fast as possible and also absorbing the information if i were to nutshell the 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 thing you had the judge in this case ask a question, a very simple question. This gun charge thing, um, does this mean, this pretrial diversion, does that mean that if there are any other, if there are there any other things that the DOJ is working on that uh, uh, Hunter Biden can be charged with, or, or is, 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 this, is this just it? Does this cover all of it? And the DOJ said, well, yeah, there are other things that Hunter Biden could be charged with outside of this. And his legal team said, I'm sorry, say what now? They went batty. As was overheard in the courtroom, we will tear this up. Not what the Justice Department said, what Hunter Biden's defense team said to the DOJ, we will tear this up. Now, wait a second. You're the ones who need the sweetheart deal. 
You're going to tell the DOJ you'll tear this up? It was William Jacobson, the Cornell Law professor who was on the air with us yesterday, who said if someone told the DOJ we'll tear this up, the DOJ would be like, all right, see you in court. Jonathan Turley of George Washington University said at that moment everything would be on the table. The DOJ would put it all on the table and say, okay, let's see what we're going to get here. We're going after you with everything we've got, with every bullet in the bandolier. But somehow an hour later, they've got themselves a new plea deal. More limited in scope. They they figured it out. And they bring it to the judge, and the judge says, now wait a second. Wait a second. You want me to sign off on a plea deal on this gun charge, for example, but there's still investigations into other things. Well, well, how am I supposed to do that? And and if if let's say Hunter Biden breaches the deal. So for example, if he does any more coke, he breaches the deal. Now, I ask you just as a matter of basic understanding, what do you think the odds are? What do you think the odds are that Hunter Biden might fall off the wagon and do cocaine again? I assume it's more possible than not. Her point was, listen, you breached this deal. This is going to come back to me, and they're going to ask me for a finding. What am I going to say? I don't even think this thing, this pretrial diversion and and the, the deal you're making on the guns with the DOJ makes sense because they're still engaged in other investigations. And someone's going to find this whole thing unconstitutional. And Hunter, you may think that you've got some kind of protection here, but you don't. You won't have any immunity at all. And then it fell apart. And Hunter Biden pleads not guilty. Hunter Biden pleads not guilty. And then they have to go through, well, okay, you're pleading not guilty. So you got to sign here and sign there. And here are the conditions of your release. You got to submit to supervision. And uh, then uh, what you got to do is not possess a firearm, destructive device, or other weapon. You cannot use alcohol at all. You cannot unlawfully possess a narcotic drug or other controlled substance. You have to submit to testing for a prohibited substance. And you have to participate in a program of inpatient or outpatient substance abuse therapy. Oh, by the way, you also have to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has to get a uh, I don't know uh, I don't know, is is uh, selling art or or trying to blackmail uh, Chinese companies jobs I don't know uh, maybe may, maybe it's possible and then he walked out of the courtroom and uh, this guy who's just uh, you know trying to get his life back on track then stepped into a motorcade that I believe had Secret Service protection and drove off. It is not I who understood all the legalities, but as we started discussing it, it became clear, apparent to us, that the question people asked at the first was actually a worthy one. How in the world did they not have a plea deal? They talked about a plea deal. They came to a plea deal. They get in front of a judge. The judge asks one question. She asks one question, and the whole thing collapses? How? How is that even possible? And that gets us to, well, wait a second. What if it's not possible?
What if it's not possible? What if, now I admit to you, I'm putting together the, the, the what ifs here. But what if the Hunter Biden team knew that the plea deal wasn't full immunity, but it could be said that it was full immunity, and the DOJ knew that it wasn't full immunity, but they could play along that, oh, I guess it gives full immunity, and they just wanted to get past the judge. What if the plan was to just get it past the judge? This is the question before us. I put forth to you that while I do not have anything that could prove my theory true, I believe there's enough of a question here to make one question whether or not that is indeed a theory. That the DOJ knew, was fully aware that this was not a a, a deal that was full immunity, that the questions could get asked to blow it up, but they figured, what the hell, let's try and get it past this judge. This is what I think took place. This is what I think happened. They just tried to make it happen. They All they did was try. There is a tweet from Saul Weisenberg. Saul Weisenberg is with Fox News. He's a defense attorney. I don't know Saul personally. And he writes in a series of, of thoughts that the prosecution and defense would disagree about the terms of the agreement in open court is a joke. Ambiguous terms in a plea agreement are construed against the government. There should be no room for disagreement on the key terms of the agreement. So this was either astounding incompetence or corruption on DOJ's part. He thinks it's corruption. Now, I again, focus on the concept of Hanlon's razor. Never put to malice what can be ascribed to general stupidity, general ignorance, which, which is true. Some people are just morons. They're not trying to be deceitful. They're not trying to be criminal. They're just dumb. In this case, I don't think it's incompetence. Although you could argue that the prosecution looks incompetent and you could argue that the defense looks incompetent. I'm not going to tell you no. I'm going to tell you that I think it's purposeful. Because as we've already seen, I hold nothing back. I don't put anything past this administration and these people. I don't put anything past them. What I want to see happen is the judge react. Does the judge think after it's all said and done, after she was able to sit down in chambers after it was finished, did these son of a you-know-what's trust try and pull a fast one on me? Did these people just try and pull a fast one on me? And then I want to see what she does. 
a plea deal between the DOJ and Hunter could come at any moment. From that plea deal, we'll know whether or not they were trying to get a fast one past the judge because we'll know whether or not it's stronger or weaker, or they were more specific to purposely not covering him for all things. And of course, he could be charged on other crimes, which would make sense. We're going to find out soon enough. By the way, it's hot out. Don't let Joe Biden scare you. Drink water. Stay cool. I'm Tony Katz. amazed to see a story about this murderer in Nashville, Tennessee at Covenant Christian School. This woman who claimed to be a man and given themselves the name of, of a man, but was a woman who murdered six. All of a sudden there's reporting. Now we still don't have the manifesto. Which, of course, we want. We want to understand what happened. I'm still trying to figure out why we don't have more information about the Route 50, was it the Route 51 Harvest Festival? The one in Vegas? A guy gets all those firearms up into a hotel room. We don't have video footage? I'm assuming the same people who did video there were doing video at Jeffrey Epstein's prison. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Hell, I'll vote for the first candidate who's willing to let loose all that footage. Oh, we can't show you the manifesto of this shooter because it might cause a problem. You mean because she was very mentally confused, like, for example, thought she was a man, and you don't want it to reflect poorly on the trans community. I'm going to get into that whole story in the hearing that was held today. But yeah, there there is news that this murderer had, like, drawings all over her clothes. An ankle uh, uh, bracelet, an anklet, and on it, it read 508407. They don't know what that means yet, or at least they're not telling us what that means. And things written on her clothes, and they're not not really sure uh, about that, or they're not sharing it. So you're saying that she, this was a she, went into this knowing she wouldn't come out and was leaving a message for someone. My gosh, did I just unleash a message to someone that I shouldn't have? I don't, I, gosh, I hope not. I don't use names. You notice I didn't use uh, the, the, the name. I don't use the names of murderers. No, no, my job is not to, uh, my job is not to make you famous. What I want, though, is the information. And people who are saying, well, we can't share that because it might be hurtful of a community. It's time for you to grow up. We want to understand what happened. And how about we start with a baseline? We're going to find, my take, that there was a lot of Christian hate here. Of course this should be labeled as a hate crime. I don't even believe in hate crimes. But if you're going to label them via the FBI, via crime statistics... Murders in a church doesn't qualify? I mean, I would think the murder was enough, but murders in a church don't qualify? My, oh, my. How is Bidenomics working? Economist Dr. Matt Will is up next.
So if inflation is under control, then why in the world would we see an increase in interest rates? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always good to be with you. Appreciate you having me for these few hours. Does Bidenomics actually work? Let me bring in a Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box. Let me start with this, uh, Dr. Will. This is Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, letting you know that interest rates are going up. Since early last year, the FOMC has significantly tightened the stance of monetary policy. Today, we took another step by raising our policy interest rate a quarter percentage point, and we are continuing to reduce our securities holdings at a brisk pace. We've covered a lot of ground, and the full effects of our tightening have yet to be felt. Looking ahead, we will continue to take a data-dependent approach in determining the extent of additional policy firming that may be appropriate. That uh, translated, I believe, sir, is you ain't seen nothing yet. We reserve the right to raise interest rates anytime we want. And anybody who thinks that inflation is under control is out of their minds. Am I right or am I wrong, Dr. Will? I probably would phrase it differently, Tony. I'm Um, shocked. (laughs) Because, you know, we've talked about this battle between Biden and Powell. and, And for two years, Biden's been winning. Powell is now winning, but you heard him say it very clearly. It's not yet under control, but we're getting there. So we got to be honest with the data, Tony. It's getting better. It's still bad, but it's getting better. And, you know, I got to talk about this Bidenomics and this, you know, it's Biden versus Powell. I'm telling you, it's a bunch of battles. Biden was winning for two years. Now Powell's winning. Biden versus Congress. He was winning for two years. Now he's losing. Biden versus private businesses. He was winning for two years. Tony, only only cringe Jean-Pierre could call these losses wins. I mean, to them, night is day, day is night, up is down. You know, these aren't your droids. I mean, we've got a GDP report coming out in a, in a few minutes, and I can tell you it's, there, it's pretty clear what it's going to be, and it's not good Bidenomics in this report that's coming out. Yeah, that report that, that came out uh, t- today. But I think the, the, the question is, does Bidenomics work? The White House is cheering, but Midwest Main Street really isn't. And I will admit to you that it is a bit schizophrenic. We see yeah. the data and then we see the stores and it's all super confusing. And I get it when people say to me, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you complaining about, cats? Everything is kind of awesome out there. I don't believe it's kind of awesome out there. First things first, is Bidenomics working? And could you describe, could you define their guiding principle? Yeah, I can define their guiding principle, and I can tell you if it's working. First, let's see if it's working. So Powell yesterday said, real wages are down. You, Tony, you are making less money. That's Bidenomics. Residential spending is down. Tony, that's Bidenomics. Domestic profits for corporations are down. That's Bidenomics. Global profits are down. That's Bidenomics. The only thing that's causing GDP to go up right now, Tony, government spending is up. That's Bidenomics. So I won't qualify whether it's good or bad. Let's just say residential spending down, profits down, profits down globally. You make less money. That's Bidenomics. But the other side of this, as you said, you got to admit to some good news. Inflation is cooling. Did you see something within the last report where we saw inflation at 3% that shows a trend down? Or could this be a momentary blip? And, by, and we should be clear, 
I would rather have Dr. Will, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I would rather have, sir, a trend down. I don't want the blip. What did you see from the reporting? Tony, I, I, I got to take exception with some of this, these, you know, these comments, because you're, you're saying like, oh, well, inflation's better. Tony, that's like saying I'm in the ICU, but they've taken me off the ventilator, but I'm still in the ICU. I'm still in, in risky conditions. You are correct. Things look better. There is, I don't know if it's a blip or a trend. I'll tell you in three months, but I can tell you right now, things are better, but they're just not as bad as they were six, nine 12 months ago, you shouldn't be happy with this situation, Tony. Business investments are down. Equipment purchases are down. We've had eight consecutive months of contracting U.S. private industry. Tony, you you tell me, how do you want your economy to grow? Through expanded government or through expanded business? I want it to grow through expanded business. Uh, well, just, it's not. Just in case uh, I had to actually answer the question. I didn't want to just leave it hanging there. Um, let me show you something. This uh, right here, I, I was able to find two different um, headlines. So this is CNBC. And CNBC has the headline, Morgan Stanley credits Bidenomics for much stronger than expected GDP growth. Literally 24 hours later, I found this story, why the messaging around Bidenomics might not be working. So, I, if, if I have a group like Morgan Stanley crediting Bidenomics, that is a, an indicator, a signal outward, sir, that this is working, that things are doing better because of Joe Biden's policies. Why would Morgan Stanley lie? Well, OK, they're not lying, Tony. The problem is something you and I have spoken about for, for for years now, and that is GDP and Keynesian economics. The way GDP is calculated, if the government spends five thousand dollars on a hammer, Tony, they add five thousand dollars to the GDP. If you and I spend fifteen dollars on the same plan. Sorry about that. We lost you for a second, Dr. Will. Let's 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 bring you back really quick. You were talking about hammers, sir. Yeah, I mean, if the government, according to Keynesian economics, if the hammer, if a government spends five thousand dollars on a hammer, that's five thousand more GDP. If you and I spend fifteen dollars, it's fifteen more. But you and I both know it's just the same hammer. There's a flaw in the way Keynes does things. So therefore, Morgan Stanley's correct, Tony. The GDP is up because of Bidenomics. Because what's Bidenomics? infrastructure spending, American Rescue Plan spending, the Chips and Science Act spending, the Inflation Creation Act spending. Tony, this is a false narrative because when you look at actual businesses, they are not growing, they're shrinking. We have actual data from businesses. The only thing growing is the government. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, So... uh, you are constantly in touch with with business owners and you're constantly watching uh factors of of the market of the economy that those of us who aren't economists uh don't watch when jerome powell says we're raising uh the interest rates the target rate is now five and a quarter to five and a half percent it's the highest it's been in 22 years was there anything in that commentary that I just shared with you or other things you may have heard from Jerome Powell that makes you think they don't believe Bidenomics is working and they're pretty sure that to keep inflation further at bay, we're going to go even higher? 
Yes, because there are two things he said, Tony. One was that real wages are down. I said this earlier, that you and I are making less money. So, yeah, that means Bidenomics isn't working. Now, Cringe will tell you it's great that it's working. He also said that the inflation is not yet under control. It's getting better, and we've still got work to do. So right there, he made two very clear statements that we are not out of the woods. So that's according to Jerome Powell. Now, I'll tell you, I said at the beginning, I'll say it again. He's winning the boxing match at the moment against Biden. But you know what? There's more rounds to go in this fight. One of the things that's that's come up is that when uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, uh, put together the, the deal uh, regarding the debt ceiling with uh, Joe Biden, it said that you have to pass all 12 appropriations bills or else basically the penny plan goes into effect. There'll be a 1% cut across the board. Think of it going back to the Obama days and sequestration, uh, that kind of, of conversation. Well, right now there's talk about Biden engaging a couple of vetoes, which would mean that the uh, the rules of the deal are not being adhered to a 1% cut across the board. A 1% cut would mean less spending. Does that mean a better opportunity for the economy? Yes. Now, Tony, it will have a drag on GDP because GDP is this crazy formula. But if the government spends less and private economy spends more, that's good long-term for the economy. The economy can only grow when you have private businesses doing their thing. And I'm kind of a fan of this whole thing. You remember, it's a battle. I mentioned in the beginning, it's a battle between Biden and Congress also. And Congress won that battle in the debt ceiling. Now, they didn't do a great win, but they got a win, and they slowed down this insane spending by the government, and they got this 1% across-the-board cut. I hope it happens, Tony. I'd be very happy to see the government finally shrink. You, I, I, we have we seen that in our lifetime? I, no, 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 no. I, I look, uh, I, 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 I'm with you in theory, but cuts to the military don't make me happy, and and I'm willing. If you call me Lindsey Graham, I'm willing to fight you about this. I just, I, I don't like the one percent uh, across the board. I want six percent in some spots. I just don't think I want the one percent across the board, but. It looks like it's going to happen. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate taking the time uh, to be with us. Always appreciate Dr. Will. And, and look, I get that my, my view on the spending might not be others' view on, on the spending. And I can absolutely find my way into saying, you know what? Man, I, I do love a cut. So just take it and run. Someone uh, sent me, and this this didn't happen just yesterday. This happened a while ago, where the Pentagon figured out they had a rounding error, and it turns out they had six billion extra dollars to send to Ukraine. It's like, how how is that a rounding error? On what planet is six billion dollars a rounding error? This is insane. This is insane stuff. How in the world could you come to this place? Six billion dollar rounding error. Well, if you take a total look at, at what the NDAA is, and you take a look at the um, uh, the budget, well, $6 billion, give it is about, you know, close to the 1%. My argument is I'd rather cut $12 billion from a nonsense social program to discuss, you know, that, that studies aborigines uh, and, and, and sexually transmitted diseases. I'd rather get rid of that altogether than lose anything from the military spend. But... I'm a guy who likes a cut. Less spending is always better. So if this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be. Don't 
I'm not going to lose sleep, but the people who want to push military spending cuts right now, I don't think understand where we're at. And I guess that can always be argued. You can always say that. That said, I still don't like it, but I guess I have to accept it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Representative Nancy Mace is an odd bird. You like her, and then you're like, what are you doing? And for the Trump people, you know, they're not happy with her, and they haven't been happy with Representative Mace, a believer, in, you know, in, in voting for impeachment and everything else. Oh, my God, they can't stand the woman. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. But she survives, gets re-election, and she engages conversations as as we've seen before very very bluntly very directly we have seen this and we have uh, appreciated this from nancy mace like for example this was her with maria bartiromo on fox business are you moving to impeach this president well this could be we have to do our own investigation we have to be better than the left better than democrats when they impeached uh trump twice uh, we have to be better than that we have to have an investigation we have to have all the evidence the dots connected has to go through committee through judiciary I'm evidence it's got what more to. evidence do you want? we have to connect the dots for congress to be able to do that so there's a process to go through judiciary and uh, we need to do that we just referred impeachment charges to committees last week but what we want to show and it's this is why it's so important and my message to DOJ and FBI today and this morning is that if you are not going to do your job and investigate this, we will do your job for you on the Oversight Committee. You gotta love that. I mean, that's exactly what has to happen. As we've already been discussing, guys, we were ahead of the curve uh, on this one, which is so true so often uh, that we are ahead of the curve. By the way, I I I did get it wrong. Mace was a no on impeachment. Uh, just to be clear, just uh, talk, talk smack about Trump, and that's why people wanted her gone. I just wanted to make sure I got the, the facts right there. But when Mace talks like that, people are like, yeah, that that's exactly, if you're not going to do your job, we'll do the job for you. That's the kind of talk that people like. And it's not the first time uh, Nancy Mace, Representative Mace, has engaged a solid conversation. And then, and then there's stuff like this from... Is this from a prayer breakfast? Um, but want to thank you for pulling this together. Another year, another standing room only event. And when I woke up this morning at 7, I, I was getting picked up at 7.45. Patrick, my fiance, tried to pull me by my waist over this morning in bed. And I was like, no, baby, we don't got time for that this morning. Uh, I got to get to the prayer breakfast. And I got to be on time. And a little TMI. But um, I... He can wait. He's got, we got, I'll see him later tonight. Um, but. What? What in the, what? That, that statement should start Dear Penthouse Forum. And then, and then go into it. And when I woke up this morning at 7, I, I was getting picked up at 7.45. Patrick, my fiance, tried to pull me by my waist over this morning in bed. And I was like, no, baby, we don't got time for that this morning. Uh, I got to get to the prayer breakfast. I, it got said, I don't know, it's just weird. TMI, absolutely. Somehow a film that's going to be made in Chatsworth, most definitely film, video. 
I don't know if that people consider that like endearing or is that like, whoa, settle yourself down. Oh, look, she's just like us. I don't, I don't think that's my take. I'm not going to discuss what my wife and I did this morning. I did radio this morning. Uh, but the point, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to leave it at that. I did my job, people. Does anybody else just find that weird? Because I don't think that makes her endearing. I don't think it would make a guy like endearing either. Oh, when a guy does it, he's a stud. But when, when a woman does it, oh, he's so promiscuous. I, no, that's that that's not it. I, I just don't want to... It must be me. I just don't want to hear any of it. I don't even want to hear how you walked your dog last night. I want to hear the things that I need done. That's your job. Keep your private life private and out of my life. I'll keep mine out of yours. Just do what I need you to do. Maybe that's endearing to some people, but we can agree that's like weird. Like that's a weird story to tell at a prayer breakfast, right? I mean, we can agree that at a prayer breakfast, that's a weird thing to say. And oh, he can wait. I'll see him later tonight. Dude, settle down. Make the speech quick. Clearly, you got to go. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting many a meme to come from this. Many a meme. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.